It's Wednesday, May 5th. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Ron Gross. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey, Chris. Good to be here always. We have earnings from the following industries. Video games, gene editing, and dating. <laughs> which is quite a buffet. Where does Both, the thread go? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thread is earnings. That's the only yeah, thread. There you go. Okay. We're actually going to start with automotive because General Motors' first quarter profits came in much higher than expected. And there are a lot of different ways we can go here, Ron, but I'm here's the thing I'm the most curious about. Because one of the things Mary Barra, the CEO at GM, talked about was the impact of the chip shortage. Yeah. And, and we've talked on this show before about uh, how many different industries are affected by the chip shortage, and automotive is certainly on that list. She said the impact for General Motors is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.5 to $2 billion this year. And yet... GM is maintaining their profit guidance for the full fiscal year. How are they pulling that off? Well, not only maintaining it, but they're coming in at the high end, which is really impressive. Part of it is really tight cost controls. Um, so they're bringing more money to the bottom line, even though revenue is a little bit light, down fractionally from last year. Also, the focus on the higher margin pickup trucks and SUVs are helping bring um, money to the bottom line. So you've got really strong demand. You've got prices for cars are high, used and new, and inventory is light. So it's a really kind of interesting kind of economic uh, case study that they they should teach in college. Um, And part of the reason inventory is light is because of this chip shortage. Um, And they're gonna have to work through that. As Mary Barra said, the second half of the year, she thinks will be strong, but the second quarter, which we're in right now, could be actually worse. And that's where you see the, the 1.5 to 2.5 billion potential bite out of profits. But you know they're doing a really wonderful job at controlling those costs. Um, and, and therefore, they're able to you know, continue to generate profits, continue to guide profits at the high end of the range. Now, they're spending a ton of money as well. Um, Capital spending this year expected to be nine to ten billion. About seven billion of that would, is focused on electric and autonomous vehicle development, which you know I think you quite frankly have to do um, in this environment in this new age. Uh, she quoted, she, I quote her, she said, "We will continue to convert assembly plants to build EVs and expand our battery cell capacity as we make progress on our goal of EV market share leadership in North America." Market share leadership. Remains to be seen. We'll see. Their battery technology um, gets very high um, reviews, very high marks. Um, And the company is doing a a really, really nice job. You know, back in the day, back in our day, Chris, there was a saying, and it was really a misquoted saying, but it caught on. It says, "As as goes GM, so goes the nation, because it was really thought of as a bellwether back in the day. And maybe there are other bellwethers um, that have taken its place nowadays. But it just was nice to see this quarter, this, despite the lack of chips, that they were able to produce solid results, guide solidly. I think Mary Barra is an exceptional CEO. Um, and, and I thought it was a very nice report. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how bad second quarter is as a result of chips. But I think the year is going to be strong. As you said, the the cost controls, and in particular, Mary Barra and her team's ability to control those costs is fascinating to see here, because 
you know, I, I don't want to jinx them, but if but if Q2 turns out to be not as bad as expected, um, it really sets them up for a strong second half of the year. I, th- I think that's right, and I think that's probably what we'll end up seeing, barring any unforeseen shock to the supply chain or or any other shock. Uh, you know, these stocks, automotive in general, are not expensive companies, and they typically are, are never expensive, um, trading at 10 times, 9 times, 11 times, depending on whether you look at Honda, Toyota, BMW. Um, and even though GM is up, I think, somewhere like 175% the stock over the last year, um, at $57, you're still only trading at around 10 times earnings. So if this can continue, if autonomous vehicles, if electronic vehicles, if the batteries, if, if this can all come uh, into place as expected, I, the stock still, after this run-up, still isn't expensive. It was a strong first quarter for Match Group, the parent company of Tinder, Match.com, and others had profits and revenue that were higher than expected. They're expecting an increase in dating demand as the pandemic subsides. So, if Match Group was doing well during the pandemic, what are their results going to look like six months from now? Yeah, they again are, are guiding above expectations as as the dating apps gain steam, as you said, as the pandemic eases. At least that's what they think they're going to see. There's also this whole new thing going on, which is called the um, social discovery space, which um, it lets folks, users discover and connect with people, but it's not exclusively for dating. It could be for friendship, for other things. And, and that's kind of a new area that they're moving into. Partially, um, they're trying to kind of spur that on by an acquisition of a company called HyperConnect. Um, and that'll be another avenue for them um, to draw on. But even without that, just looking at this quarter, you know, very, very strong report. As you say, revenue up 23%. That's driven by an 18% revenue rise at Tinder, Average subscriber growth of 15%. Their other brands, Hinge and, and what have you, saw a revenue increase of 30%. Uh, Avenue revenue per user, ARPU, rose 9%. Total subscribers up 12%. These are very strong results. Operating margins widened. They, too, had some, pulled some levers with respect to um, expenses, operating expenses in particular, and that led to an operating income increase of 38%. So very strong, as, as we said, revenue guidance above expectations. Second quarter revenue expected to be uh, 22 to 20%, 4% higher than last year. Um, they're, it's funny, they're kind of looking for a, quote, summer of love this summer now that <laughs> things are easing. I, don't, I won't make a comment about whether they're right about that or not. Um, and they do rightly so mention that, you know, a big part of the world still remains at risk, Brazil, India, Japan. Um, certain European markets are, are actually worsening, um, and we can't forget that. This is, is not over yet, and that will impact their business negatively. But overall, I think they're seeing um, some really bright spots, and they're looking forward to the pandemic easing even further and business growing as a result. Shares of Match Group up about 5% this morning. Um, it's, you know, it's down from its high earlier in the year, but um, I'm assuming this is not um, a General Motors type valuation. <laughs> well, that depends, Chris. How does 40 times EBITDA or 55 times forward earnings hit you? Um, yeah, the stock's up 100% over the last year. And I don't know. The results are great. It's not something I, it's not some, uh, is it changing the world in a sense? I guess it's changing how we meet each other. So, in that sense, sure. 40 times cash flow, it's a little rich for me. I'm happy to just 
keep an eye on it, watch it, report back to uh, our listeners, but it, it's not one for me. Mixed first quarter results for Editas Medicine. Revenue for the gene editing company looked good, but they missed on the bottom line. Uh, still, though, shares of Editas up a little bit this morning. Yeah, this is one I talk about a lot. I talk about the whole gene space a, a lot, the gene editing space a lot, um, and its and its main competitors, Intellia and CRISPR as well. So I just have a, a few brief comments here. So when it comes to these early stage developmental biotech companies, I just really don't pay attention to quarterly results. They just don't mean much from a typical revenue and earnings perspective. It's just, it just not a meaning, those are not meaningful metrics. It's more about the progress of their technology or of their drug pi- pipeline and the health of the balance sheet. That's a metric I definitely would focus on here because these companies, while not profitable and prob- probably not profitable for some time, need to have the balance sheet, the war chest to get them through to the next phase where revenue kicks in at a higher level, free cash flow uh, kicks in if it ever will. So this report in particular looked good to me from a technology progress perspective. I know Editas stock has gotten smacked um, over the last year. It probably was artificially high at one point in the in the 90s. Now we're back into the 30s. Um, they took advantage in the 60s and did a follow-on offering, um, raised 250 million to shore up that balance sheet, which was very smart of them. But I think the report looks good to me from a technology perspective. Investment remains highly speculative, but the balance sheet strong with 720 million of cash. They added a chief scientific officer, which they needed to do, which I like that as well. So I like this report. I'm glad the stock is reacting favorably, but it's just one day. This is a multi-year long investment in this and the entire space, and I always continue to advocate a basket approach. The chief scientific officer, is that replacing someone or is that a new position? Someone had left, um, and there was a bit of a shakeup at the top, even with the CEO. Um, and so it's good that they're starting to kind of get strong people back in there. Remember, if you're looking for even more stock ideas, you can check out our flagship server. It's Stock Advisor. You get stock recommendations, best buys now, and a lot more. Just go to stockideas.fool.com and get a 50% discount for being one of the dozens of listeners. Again, stockideas.fool.com. Shares of Activision Blizzard up this morning after first quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Activision Blizzard also raised full-year guidance. Uh, Safe to assume that the Call of Duty franchise is continuing to get it done? Call of Duty is very impressive. Their their monthly active users increased sequentially, grew over 40%. Uh, partially due to the introduction of free play. Um, that's something um, new that they introduced. But their in-game net bookings, once you're in the game on console and PC, grew more than 60%. So yes, Call of Duty, very, very strong, led to a 27% increase in revenue, a net booking increase of 36%. That in-game bookings we talked about up 40%. They now have 435 million uh, monthly active users, MAUs. Uh, so not just Call of Duty, though. World of Warcraft continues to get it done. Candy Crush, which I just always giggle about a little bit. <laughs> when they made that acquisition, it was just mind-boggling to me. But Candy Crush continues to put up strong numbers as well. So they really have strong franchises that are continuing to generate um, really strong growth numbers. Uh, adjusted earnings up 29%. That's a really strong quarter. They raised full-year guidance. I think it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with these types of companies, gaming, streaming, companies that benefited from us sitting on our couches, being home all the time during the pandemic. When we start to go out more, 
is it just the way it works? Is growth going to slow? I think it probably has to. It's just a matter of how much. Um, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because they did get all this growth over the last year. It's better than not having all the growth. We just have to realize that that doesn't always continue when you have a kind of a systemic change or some some hit to the system, the economic system or the health system, uh, which creates a, a one-year, one-time occurrence, if you will. Um, and we just have to factor that into our analysis. It also seems like video game companies don't have the same level of risk when it comes to franchise fatigue that movie studios do. Whereas movie studios is like, oh God, another Transformers movie? Really? Do we need, you know, whereas like with Call of Duty, you just don't see that same level of fatigue. People like as long as whatever is the next iteration is good, people tend to be happy with it. And the next iterations have been good, which is key, but also that kind of what you can do once you're in the game, where you can keep generating revenue for Activision, whether it's purchasing something or upgrading something. Um, and, and that's pretty exciting too. So you can continue to play the same game, but uh, grow with that game and that generates revenue for Activision. And, and that's a pretty powerful model as well. Ron Gross, always appreciate talking to you and especially on your birthday, my friend. Happy birthday. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. It's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.